welcome to Giants in Orthopedic Sports Medicine, an interview I will give together with Dr. Vernon Mueller, featuring as a giant in orthopedic sports medicine. Let me introduce myself. My name is Nick Friedrich. I was fortunate enough to join Dr. Mueller's service in 1986 as a trainee, as a resident, as a registrar in his service here in Switzerland. And I was at that time very much impressed by his knowledge about the knee. And he just had turned out this monumental monograph about the knee, very complicated for me at that time. But step by step, he learned to know the anatomy and the pathoanatomy of the knee. So Vernon Mueller really is a giant in orthopedic sports medicine. And I'm very fortunate tonight to have this interview with him about him, his life, and his achievements. Welcome, Dr. Mueller. Werner, willkommen. Schön, dass wir das Interview dürfen haben. Sorry, I have a few words in German. Um, when we start early in your career, what did your parents do for a living? Oh, yes, it's very interesting. You know, you have probably all seen the movie Gone with the Wind. And there the ladies had all long robes and large clothes of silk, silk, and also ribbons of silk all around the hats and so. And Basel at that time was an industry to produce silk dyes. And uh, that was an important industry. And uh, my father was there working as one who knew how to color the the ribbons so that they have at the end the aspect the people wanted. And after the First World War, the silk industry and the silk tissue, the fashion collapsed. So then we started to have the type of clothing as we have it now. But for the Swiss and Basel industry is about the, the color fabrication that was a catastrophe because they couldn't produce and they couldn't sell anymore these dyes. So that did my father. And then with the collapse, they took, it, took him into the office of the direction. And shortly later, he was elected as the secretary of the college for school teacher. And uh, by this, they all meant my mother was working in a book print company. They all were thinking that they would make me a school teacher. That was the situation at that moment. So when I summarized, it was a hard time. This transition from coloring dyes to pharmaceutical companies like Roche, Lonza, Novartis, Siba. And your parents sort of made their way through these different new endeavors, new industries, right? Yes, that was okay. it. And for Basel, it was the best uh, situation that uh, these dye 
producing companies had all the chemicals already so to start the pharmaceutical afterwards from Berlinoblau to <laughs> all type of things. So when you look back as a child, as a kid, what was the first thing you remember wanting to do as a kid for a living? I mean, you saw your parents, they worked in the industry. So what was you, your interest to do for a I living? I had no special interest, no special aim to do something. But I have to say, I was born on the 28th of January, 1933. And now listen, two days later, on the 30th of uh, January, 1933, Hitler became to the might in Germany. And that transformed our thinking all around. The, my, we lived less than five kms far away from the German border. Just three miles, three miles from the border. Yeah, three Five miles kilometers from okay. the border, yes. As children, we could walk to the border at that time, and we saw how the Germans built up their barbed wire fence four meters high to avoid that people can flee out of their Golden Reich. So we had other aims than to think of future professions and making the living of so you certainly had some ideas about your job. So actually, what was your first job? My first job was, beside of the studies, I was a control man during the big industries exhibitions, just uh, nothing but a, a possibility to work it beside the studies. And this I did for these uh, big exhibitions and also for the post office in the railway station. So you were sent around. So, But somehow one day you had the idea to become a doctor, right? I mean, oh, yes. How, how did that come about? The school and the gymnasium was going on. And at the end with the Matura, they asked us, what type of a profession do you want to take? So I said, I want to do something which is close to human people so that I have always a contact to other people and they'll live with those, see what they have, what they need, what they claim about. And then that was the decision to go into the medical profession. So you wanted to, to help? Yeah. And uh, not only help, the helping syndrome was not so much involved, also a little bit, but I had much more interest in all the differences of life size, of the destiny. Destiny, okay. Yeah. How is yeah. lifestyle, how is the destiny, and uh, what people did with that, what they had around themselves. Did you have some heroes at that time? Were there any heroes? who were influential, who had some influence on your life and maybe on your choice yes, in the profession? There is truly something. My first employment as a doctor, as a resident, was in the hospital of Davos. And there I had the possibility also to follow the first official AO course of Davos. And there, during these lessons of that uh, course, 
I saw Professor Maurice Muller to give his marvelous lectures about traumatology of bones and also the orthopedic types of osteotomies of the hip and so. So I said, now that's my direction. I want to follow orthopedics for my further studies and started to train with that orthopedics in Basel at the university hospital in the orthopedic department. So you saw all the quote giants of trauma like Müller, Algöver, Willenecker, Schneider, you all met those yes. giants. The first meeting with those, there were these guys and also some heroes as you said it. But the other heroes, the main heroes for me after uh, Maurice Müller have been in Basel, the surgeon, Nissen, Rudolf Nissen, who was a disciple of the famous Sagerbruch in Berlin and brought all this knowledge with him and also the technical things to Basel. And uh, Nissen was followed afterwards by Martin Algöber. So I had uh, these two giants as my teachers there. They were inspiring me. And at the same time, they have been examples of uh, human life and also of technical uh, perfection. So they were sort of your heroes. That was. Uh, you were in Davos. Ice hockey in Davos is very strong linked in Switzerland. Oh, yeah. Any sports heroes? Yeah. Yeah. The ice hockey players at that time. Yeah. We had some good, some good trio there in the offense. And on the other hand, that is my first sports medical uh, intervention. The normal doc of the ice hockey club of Davos, I was the substitute of the normal doc of Hearts uh, of Davos. And he warned me if a player has a wound somewhere on his face or on the front, you do not have to take local anesthesia when you should suture that wound. They, all the players have uh, said, if you take anesthesia during suturing, the scar would not be nice. <laughs> so I, I sutured it without any local anesthesia. So this that was my first medical intervention as a sports medicine guy. Uh, so the, the sports doc was also a hero for you because he showed you and introduced you into sports <laughs> medicine. Well. I mean, you were a hard and still are a very hardworking person, professionally very hardworking. Is there anything else you're passionate about which is not work related? I was playing soccer since I was a boy in the street. <laughs> and later on, I could play even with the different uh, football groups at uh, Basel University in the surgical department. And at the end, I was even participating as a player on the Swiss University Championship on soccer. And uh, that was good. And after, beside that, at the winter time, it was skiing. In summer, it was swimming and biking and traveling in France and even 
taking a boat and follow the French canals in this boat and with the family. When you look at your career, which was a long-standing career as an orthopedic surgeon, um, what has been the hardest thing for you to overcome? The private situation, it was the too early passing away of our son Dominic, a medical doctor in dermatology, a successful one. And the second thing is a patient I was operating elsewhere without my usual team to help in special cases, and it was a special case. So this case was finally followed by a series of serious complications, which eventually led even to an amputation. That was my hardest thing in uh, professional surgery time all these uh, 30 to 40 years. When you look at your long career, which was really an outstanding career, what, are, what do you feel are the greatest successes or goals you achieved in your long, long career? The greatest success is uh, certainly Janica Zakostelic. On the downhill race in Samoritz, she had a catastrophic fall and this ended with a complete serious knee dislocation. Even the both menisci were standing up in front of the condyle and all what could help the knee to keep it together was rumped, was ruptured. Also the patella tendon and the this has complicated, especially the rehab afterwards, tremendously. We have repaired with our team meticulously the anatomy from A to Z in ours. And at the end, we have uh, adapted the ruptured fibers of the patella tendon, and we have secured this patella tendon by a special way of keeping the distance so that we could move this important case directly afterwards on the kinetic frame so that uh, these difficult anatomical structures we have put together could be, move itself along its other and to find from initially the normal way to function at the end. Janica Kostelic won eight, uh, slaloms in a row afterwards in after one year she have one in a row eight slaloms and also in olympic winter games and championships she won other gold medals but there are some other achievements i, I remember the book for instance can you talk to us about uh, the book the knee the knee, yeah. oh yes, an extra story. Uh, for that place, I got the university, I have to be habilitated. And uh, that's why I have to write something. I had prepared all the 300 images in that book myself, by hand. Then uh, I have taken the chalk paper, you know, slightly transparent. Yes. 
So to show to the guy to perfect my drawings, I had always these four layers, one above the other one with different colors. And I said, this is deepest, this is next, and this is most superficial layer of these things. And then very, very important is the work of my wife. Because at the time I was tired and I was just building up that service at Bruderholz from zero. And uh, my wife said, if you do not write the text now, then somebody will steal your pictures. <laughs> All is gone. <laughs> so yes, 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 she, yes. he said, when you come home, you can uh, uh, read a newspaper a few minutes until you are relaxed. And then you write each evening at least one page. And the next day I write by hand. If I tape, I, if I type, it's not good. Then that uh, the continuation from my brain and uh, the thinking to the the paper is not the same as when I when it goes through my hand and works like this. So uh, my wife did correct. Did type that the next day, what I have written by hand. And sometimes it was one page, and when I'm on a good drive, it was four to six pages. And so next evening, my wife Ursula was reading a bit what I have uh, written last night. <laughs> so it went up. And finally, all that work, we had to look for the, the scientific uh, ground so the 12 book, years. The book was handwritten? And the papers and books were sort of manually pulled out from the shelf, read through, sometimes made a copy, sometimes just mm -hmm. notes by hand. So the book is basically handwritten and typed by Ursula, your wife. Mm -hmm. Well, it's still interesting at that time. You know, we had at the surgical department in front of the OR's blackboard. And mm -hmm. on the blackboard, the operations has been written on, who is one, two, three, four. And uh, because I was already at that time a little bit special with my knowledge on the knee, the guys having looked uh, well, Martin Algerber, uh, how he has fixed the bone, and then the, on the OR beside it, they came watching what I did with the knees. And then they often did not uh, understand really what was going on because they didn't have enough knowledge on the anatomy like this. So I started the drawings, which we were finally ending in the book on the blackboard at the OR. At the, OR planning, the blackboard for planning the ORs was your drawing board. That's great. Uh, I remember also we had guests at Bruderholz, you know? Yes. There were a couple of people I really, really remember like, John, John Fagin. Mm -hmm. Can you talk mm -hmm. about you and your relation to John Fagin, who unfortunately deceased? Yeah, that was special. He was, John was a doctor of the American ski team. And during the races in Europe, he was traveling with them. And uh, exactly, I know once on the 19th of December, when the races were over before. Christmas until it started afterwards again. He came to visit me and I was just uh, doing an ACL. And he was precisely looking 
and uh, I have invited him afterwards in one of these uh, old traditional restaurants in Basel for supper. And then John came with the idea that we could do an arrangement having European young doctors and American young doctors vice versa to go to America or to go to Europe and travel for three or four weeks around and look to all special uh, clinics where they do good sports medicine. And this was the beginning. I said, oh yes, I was president of ESCA at that time. Uh, we, uh, we make it. We have no money. And John said, I have still 30,000 American dollars for scientific from uh, Merck, Sharp and Dome, but there is nothing to do something really good with that. But it's not, it's, uh, it has to be used. It would be a pity if we would not use these 30. But that was the start of the Traveling Fellowship, the AOSSM ESCA yes. Traveling Fellowship yeah. at the Waldiserkanne in Basel. Very traditional, old fashioned style restaurant. Yeah. Great. But you mentioned you were president of ESCA when John Fagin visited you in Basel, right? Yes. ESCA in itself is also, I think, something to, to talk about, right? Yeah, but first I would like to say something from the other achievement we had together. Mm -hmm. John had the idea for that fellowship. Okay. And after the first uh, successful uh, round, I said, I have another idea. We should have an international knee documentation so that we can compare our results over the Atlantic. Okay. Yep. And uh, so started uh, the work for the IKDC International Knee Documentation Committee. Mm -hmm. We had at the beginning five uh, specialists with a hot, lot of knowledge from the States and Canada and five from Basel. The American group was lead, led by uh, John Fagan and the European group was led by myself. Right. That was successful up to now. So we have, when you look back is as, as a climax of sports athlete was Janica who had this unbelievable comeback. You have the traveling fellowship with, which started with John Fagan. You have IKDC and you have ESCA. You were president of ESCA, the very early years of ESCA, where there was only one S, ESCA. Yeah. Now there are two S. Um, maybe you should talk, uh, tell us about ESCA at that time. I mean, it was, prior to the breakdown of the Iron Curtain, we still had a divided Europe when you started ESCA. And as I understand, ESCA was on both sides of the Iron Curtain. Yeah. That's, that's a very interesting and important point. ESCA was founded in 1982. And uh, then we had meetings, we were 12 people being at the founding group at that time. And uh, they elected me as the first president also because of that book, which just came out two years 
before. And then we tried, as we tried with John Fagin, to go over borders, to bring bridges on, and to look that we can bring people together. And uh, one of the guys at the founding uh, committee then was Kurt Franke from East Berlin. Kurt Franke had a lot of uh, possibilities within the uh, East German state. And so we had an arrangement. Kurt Franke was a treasurer, an extra treasurer in East Berlin. And so all the guys from the East, which had no money to pay the, the bill for a Western European conference, could pay him a local fee. And we could arrange that they could come over past the border without complications and take part in West Berlin as coming from all type of Eastern states. And that was really the beginning of slowly opening that iron curtain, which split it before European practically in two parts, East and West. Orthopedic sports medicine started diplomatic work just because bones and tendons are the same on both sides of the curtain. Great, wonderful. Um, I mean, you had a long and rich life, but what keeps you keeps you learning now? You're still learning every day. How do you keep it learning? How do you stay on top of the knowledge? I mean, you're still very active and accepted as discussing meetings and papers. I have fought and it's a uh, great big fund and really basing on anatomy because with that you have the key probably to everything. And if you have understand once the mechanics of a knee, you can also understand the mechanics of a shoulder much easier and an elbow than every other. And it was a moment where I was almost on it to write also a book on shoulder anatomy and function, <laughs> but it was too much life. that I did <laughs> not anymore go into this. So you're but still now, yeah. very, very curious about anatomy, right? Yeah. yeah. And about, uh, let's say, outside of anatomy and medicine, what are you curious about? Curious. I still follow some of the meetings where I think here I can see something new, as I did it at my true beginning of my career, to go to all type of things which did primarily not look at sports medicine, but they, they gave me ideas about this, about this, to put the puzzle on sports medical knowledge together. And now, for sure, I uh, are sometimes still invited to give talks. And That's right. it seems that they have not been the worst ones. No. And last time I was with four talks on the island of Kish with the Arabic, with the Middle East and the South Pacific uh, part of the sports medicine uh, societies okay. on the island of Kish in the middle of the Persian Gulf. Okay. It was a great adventure. Hmm? 
Excellent. Is there any goals you want to achieve? The goals? Any goals you want to achieve in the next future? I think the next goal is to find some time and uh, peaceful moments to stay with my family and look for my children, grandchildren, or even grandchildren, number one. <laughs> and uh, look, forward, look forward what will be the future under this global warming. And what will, will be the future that we can do the best thing to avoid the total end to come. Well, that's a good point, end point of our long interview. Thank you very much, Werner, for sharing some of your life and some of your achievements you achieved in your long, long professional life. I really admire you as a teacher, but also as a private friend and person all over the years. You taught me a lot. You taught all of us a lot. And I'm very happy that we were able to give this interview tonight. Thank you all. Another interview of the giants in orthopedic sports medicine. Thank you. <laughs>